0: You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with the property management coach and industry influence of the year, Kurt Stafford and guests. Well, hello again, and welcome to yet another episode of Influential Conversations. My guest today is the adrenaline-fueled Bo Miller from Boutique Real Estate in Greater Springfield, which is just outside of Ipswich in Queensland, and I say adrenaline fuel because you know, I thought I was a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I like you know the odd fast car, and I like throwing myself down snow slopes. But Bo races motorcycles. She's doing up a car to a um, Holden Calibra to uh, to to run in drifts and 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 street racing, and. She has also thrown herself off a bridge or two in her life, and trust me, I've seen the video. I <laughs> wouldn't do it. <laughs> Bo, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to Influential Conversations. This is, as I said a minute ago, this is the Bo show, so tell us about you. How did you get into real estate, particularly? How did you start in property management?
1: Oh, Kurt, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been listening to some of your chats and they're just amazing. So this is really amazing for you to be thank supporting you. our industry. So it's also the Kurt Show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I sit back. I, uh, what, what do they say? I will ask some questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. So um, how did I get into real estate? So I suppose I went to school in Tasmania and off I toddled to what they call college so you just went Mm -hmm. to year 10 in in Tassie and then off you had to go because there was not enough people you had to go to college with lots of people um, Mm -hmm. to be able to run year 11 and 12 and 13 if you wished and um, I think I lasted to the first end of the first term I'd put myself in for all these classes thinking I was going to go off to oh, god knows I think I want to be an architect really that was where I was okay. headed So mm-hmm. I put myself in all the courses to do that but by the end of the first end of the first um term I'd used up all my Centrelink days that meant I would lose my Centrelink because I was too busy smoking down behind the sheds <laughs> and not going to the classes <laughs>
0: Right, okay, yeah.
1: yeah, I, I loved high school, but it was more um what I loved about high school was the leadership role that I was always in. I was a prefect and junior council leader and um I was always sort of running events and doing different things. And it was I did so well and I was so accepted at high school to then go off to college and feel like um no one liked me and I didn't know who I was, you know, you're you're 15, 16, and you're just going off to this brand new school with all these new people. A couple of girls didn't come with us. Um, A lot of people went out and got jobs at 16. And I don't know, I just didn't, mum's like, you're going to have to get a job then if you're not going to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) So I applied for two traineeships and one was an old-aged home and one was a real estate um, property management only business, which was quite rare Mm -hmm. um, 23 years ago. Um, To find property management only, it it was rare.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so after that interview, I I remember, I don't know who I called, I think it was probably mum, and said, I didn't get that, blew that interview. And mm. um, I was disappointed because my dad's a builder and uh I remember, you know, I was always drawing floor plans and I really liked houses. So I was like, real estate kind of suits me definitely more than old people. <laughs> and um yeah, that afternoon they called and they said you've got the job. I'm like, fantastic. It was actually, that was my second job. I was I did an admin traineeship to start with, finished that in six months, like really enjoyed learning the skills of, of administration. But real estate, oh, my God, I've got my driver's licence now. So me and my Gemini, were, I was the first business, real estate business in Tasmania to um, not hand out keys because you used to take your um, driver's <clears throat> licence and your $5 and you'd get given yep. the key. Five to go dollars. And, yes, $5? Yes, $5. To go wow. have a look at the property, mm-hmm. and um, and so you keep someone's driver's license. I don't know why we were allowed to keep the driver's license, but we would did. We'd hold it, it's a and then they go off different the age go
0: then to what it is now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: So um, I worked for Charlotte Peterswold and her mum was an auctioneer, first um, female auctioneer in Tasmania. And so it was a very prominent female-led business and Mm -hmm. she just was always out to do something different. So here we were, she's uh, off you go show houses and meet people and greet them and let them into the house. And that was my first introduction to real estate at 17.
0: Oh, yeah. And from there, property management. Well, yeah, somehow. I I, yeah. Went,
1: I would do routine inspections, write up the advertising, um, entry condition report. So I, I still remember the first entry condition report and I could, like, I'd close my eyes and I can imagine, um, you know, every <laughs> part of that property and, and how I learned that. And so, yeah, I spent, I stayed there from 17 until I was 21, um, mm. but we were part of what was called the leading agents of Australia. And so the leading agents of Australia were an independent network of agencies that used to refer to each other but hold their own conferences. So there were some very big names um, back then. Some of them are still in business now. John McGrath was actually Mm -hmm. one of them back then. He's not anymore because he's not independent anymore. But the person in Brisbane was Patrick Dixon and Patrick Dixon uh, ran his business there, and they came to Tasmania for a uh, conference. So we would run the conference in different states, and we were hosting, and that is where I sat next to them at a uh, at the dinner, at the Marilla Winery it was, and I don't know, I just had this connection with these guys, and I'm like, I want to go and work at this company. I, yep. I'm going to do it. So mm-hmm. i I bought my first uh, unit when I was 19 and we had a bit of a housing boom back then. So I think I bought it for 50, 54000 or something and sold it for 76000 So, bam, awesome. I bought my holding Calibra and I jumped in it and I drove to Queensland um, to get a job at Patrick Dixon's.
0: Yep, fantastic. Well done. At 21? 21.
1: 21, yep.
0: And you basically, I mean, that's thats when when you think about it, that means the last... 20 years, you've been up in, uh, in in Queensland.
1: I know. I have to decide because this is the deciding year. Am I a Tasmanian or am I a Queenslander? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, no, like with the business there, and with James on, on on the base, I think you're a Queenslander. I'm sorry. No, I think <laughs> and, so. Yeah. And, and besides, you, you've got you've got better race tracks up there than you, you you would in Tassie, and the weather's better, and it's not as unpredictable for racing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd have to yeah. have weather cover if I booked a track day in Tassie.
0: Well, not only that, I think you'd, you'd probably end up with ice patches on it this time of year, middle of winter. You know, it's uh, Currently Melbourne. it's, uh, where are we, the middle of June at the moment recording this. Obviously it's not going to go to air until probably I reckon August. But Melbourne today is 11. So you can imagine down in Tassie, someone said somewhere up, um, I forget where it was, it was minus 0.4. So yep. that's, that's getting to icy roads anywhere really. So I I think you're staying there. So what happened then? You you worked with Dixons for a while and and then 12 years ago you decided to go out on your own.
1: Well, what happened was I went to, knocked on their door and I said I'm here for a job and they said we just sold our rent roll. So you imagine, (laughs) this is 20 years ago, right? Mobile phones have just kind of started. No one drove Mm -hmm. around holding a mobile phone. Like it's just you wait till you got back to the office to make phone calls. I didn't tell them I was coming.
0: Oh, Oh, so you just landed. Right, okay. -hmm.
1: Yeah, I didn't tell them.
0: Do you think that might have been a good idea in in in
1: hindsight? (laughs) Hey, I just sold my house and made the most amount of money. I was like, I got this. Doesn't matter. I'll be right. So I did get offered a job. I went and um, started doing interviews at different places, and I got offered a job at Runaway Bay, Mm. and it was a senior property manager position. I was like, this is awesome, but I don't. I want to work for Patrick Dixon. So. Turned out Patrick had sold his rent roll to the rental hotline, which was just down mm. the road, and yep. they said, boy, I think we can get you a job there, but it's a receptionist job. So I didn't care. I was like, that's like a block away from Patrick Dixon. I'm going mm. to work there, and that's what I did.
0: Wow. Oh, okay. So you started <laughs> again, started from,
1: started from first scratch. rung on the ladder yep.
0: and, and, and worked your way up. How long were you with rental hotline?
1: Not very long, um, because I got a call from Patrick Dixon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right,
1: okay, yes. Uh, so I did, I was only with them for about six months um, and i quickly progressed into a property management role there um, mm-hmm. and then Patrick called and said, um, our, our manager's leaving, um, we've got a senior position here, we only manage properties from $500 a week and above yep. and they had a 10% fee model, all inclusive, <clears> that <throat> had to pay the fees up front um, at 10% for the whole oh, year. Yeah. Yep. And it was just really unique. It was prestige homes and it was really just a babysitting ground for the sales team Um, and they didn't do anything under that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm in. So there was me and they put a junior um, property manager on as well and I, within 12 months, had managed to teach the junior how to do my job and I got let go.
0: Right. Okay. Yes, that's 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 not an unfamiliar story, I think, to a lot of our audience.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty hard hitting. Yeah. I still had my Calibra. I still had my Barina that my brother was driving. And I bought an Audi because I thought that I had to drive a car to suit the prestige market. So here I was with this Audi loan and uh yep. and yeah, too many vehicles and uh no job.
0: Mm-hmm. So yep. I had to start again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and did you start again from ground level, or did you go into no, another role?
1: I was really fortunate. By this point, I was twenty, nearly twenty-three. I was twenty-two, um, nearly mm-hmm. twenty-three, and I got a job with Elders, Elders Corporate. So when um, when cattle is struggling, they go out and they buy real estate agencies. So they buy back yep. their rent rolls. Um, Mm. And I took on an agency in Mount Gravatt, which was an area I hadn't worked in, uh, very much student accommodation style. They had not put a retention, sorry, a restriction clause on the principal when they bought it and they had lost a hundred properties. Yeah. yeah, So I was brought in to help them rebuild and hold what they had. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where I probably learned the most about property management. Out of all of the jobs I ever did, Elders really taught me about the financial value of a rent roll and what it means to run a business. I think that they gave me the foundations. It was actually back in the times when Darren Hunter was the um, manager for South Australia and Northern Territory. And he was, yeah. yeah, So he, um, with my boss at the time, Marsha Derry, were in charge of creating the Elders corporate. um, Chapters across the country and bringing them all aligned in their procedures and their training. So I was really Mm. fortunate in that time.
0: Yeah, that's right. You you, you picked a good time to be part of the group. Very good time to be part of the group. Yeah.
1: And then James got posted to Townsville.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you're a service wife, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, so Elders had a corporate office in Townsville. we just purchased it and mm-hmm. I called um, through uh, corporate and I said, I'm moving to Townsville. I'd really love a transfer to the Townsville office. And <clears> they <throat> said, sure, you can have the receptionist job.
0: Uh-huh. I'm
1: like, no, Gosh. I'm not doing the receptionist job.
0: No. That's great.
1: No, <laughs> so I rang, um, I looked for a business that. that was an independent boutique business in Townsville. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lady named Judith Grigg. She only had a sales department. And I rang her and I said, would you like a property management department? I'll start it for you. And she took a risk and put me on. And we built that property management to 60 properties in a very short space of time. It wasn't even six months. Oh, wow.
0: and, yep.
1: and then I got offered a job with console as a trainer. And
0: <laughs> she said... <laughs>
1: I'm like bye dude there's 60 properties
0: (laughs) what do I do now
1: (laughs) you know what she rang me Jude rang me oh it was probably 10 years ago now and she said Bo she goes I hated you at the time I hated you you gave me 60 properties to manage and she was a sales agent she didn't want a property management business but at that time she was selling um the business she was retiring and she said thank you
0: yeah, because that's what gave her her her, her nest egg. We we know that we we know that that the only value in an agency or ninety eight point mm. nine percent of it, yep, in the majority of cases, is the rent roll. And if she hadn't had that rent roll, she would have had very little to 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 sell. I mean, the asset yeah. of a the sales the sales division is.
1: It's is, nothing. Is, is nothing. 25 yeah, grand because, sometimes
0: they offer you. Yeah, like, well, looks, yeah, yeah. look, maybe even that. I don't, I don't think of the offices and agencies that I've bought. I, I don't think there's been any value attributed to, to a sales arm because it's, no. it's, it, it's, it's as good as the, the last sale or the next sale. It's not yes. a recurrent. And, that's, no, that's and it really is.
1: is dependent on whoever the salesperson is in the team. It's not the brand; it's the mm-hmm. person. Each individual right. person has their own brand. And if you're retiring, that's there's no goodwill mm-hmm. in that.
0: No, that's exactly right. No. So you came back to Brisbane, or, or back to to the the Greater Brisbane area.
1: Yeah, what, yeah.
0: How long? How long did you stay up in, in Townsville?
1: Not long. I'm um, not a very yeah. good army wife. <laughs> No, I really um I had a great time in Townsville. I ran my won my first um, drag racing competition against my husband so that was quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, le- I started to learn how to stunt ride in Townsville so that was where okay. my riding really came along. Um, mm-hmm. I will probably focus more on that part of the life while I was there and um, but it, it's a hard life being an army wife and especially in a new area trying to meet new people and you know I did really well to connect to some some uh, motorbike people but a lot of those were military motorbike people as well and mm. you know with every 12 months they're moving Definitely. and yep. you're know, losing friends and starting again and it it wasn't it didn't feel good um and James was getting posted overseas and I thought well I'm living in Townsville what's the point in living in Townsville while he's not going to be here and I moved back to Brisbane yep um lived with some motorbike friends under their house for a bit and um, waited till he got posted back Uh, Mm -hmm. but I I ended up um, settling in Ipswich because and it it wasn't even intentional for James but it was because of the property values you I couldn't I couldn't buy a property I owned another property in in Tasmania that I'd purchased um, and I wanted to to I don't I always wanted to own my own homes and own investment properties and so I was always driven to keep investing in property and Ipswich felt like a good idea i was really interested and intrigued in developments and being able to split properties and that was what i did i went and found a thousand square block with a house on the front and dual access at the back and yep. that was ipswich so um 217,000 i think it was at that time that was about 15 yeah about yeah, 15 I, I, was gonna, I was gonna now. say it
0: wasn't recent was it <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but that's yeah. but that's right that's that's the way you make your money you, it's it, it's it's accumulating but then it's 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 being able to subdivide them off. It's being being able to spot the opportunities. It's the same. In, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's the same with what we do with in, in our own businesses. You know, it's a matter yep. of spotting a gap in the marketplace, designing you know yourself around that, and and filling that filling that need. So did and, and boutique real, realty started around about that time when you moved to Ipswich, or was yeah? A, a
1: oh, I, I think I still I worked at console for a little while. Um, I think it was the realisation came that I was getting older. Um, we <laughs> were starting to talk about having children, um, working in the city because I was travelling into the city all the time. I'd actually um, had a bit of a moment where I couldn't drive anymore. I was driving back from uh, Sydney on a uh, stunt weekend where we were doing mm-hmm. a stunt show there and uh, a man committed suicide uh, as I was driving back and jumped in front oh. of a truck. Oh. and. Um, I witnessed it and I fell apart. Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah, no surprises in that. That Well, I'm pretty
1: strong. I'd witnessed two accidents already that year. Um, My sister's partner uh, died while we were riding. He hit a tree. Then a police officer who was booking me at the time tried to pull over somebody else and was hit by a motorcyclist. His eye, lost his eye.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And... I was fine through those two. I was okay. Mm. I was was pretty good. And the third one, it just broke me. And I remember just Mm. pushed the door open of my ute and I looked at the sky and just went, why me? Why Mm. me? And I was just so angry, just so, so angry. And I, from that point, though, the the PTSD grew and developed to a point where even now I struggle to cross the road if Mm. I see bull bars. The imagery is there um, yeah. of what happened in that day yeah. and then it interlinks with the other accidents as well. So it's, yeah. yeah particularly it's when they're
0: all in sort of fairly close succession of each other too. Yeah,
1: We've all it. got a threshold.
0: Is, that's right. We've all, I was going to say there's a, there's always a compounding effect of those sorts of things. You just don't know where the threshold's going to be. Interesting, though, that you still stunt ride, right, or maybe not so much stunt ride, right, but you certainly race. But the thing as that it, got me, I mean, you know, those of us that, that, have, that have spent some time with you at other conferences know the story of your bungee jump as well yes (laughs) and i I look at that i mean look most people who know me know i'm ex force. i was trained not to jump from perfectly serviceable aircraft and 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 bridges would fall into the same category you don't jump off them even with a rubber band attached to you i look at that and go that's a hard no
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because i i actually um i do have an extreme fear of heights and it Mm -hmm. developed from a very young child i but I don't remember it until that moment and it's a feeling that you get yep. and mm-hmm. I am a thrill seeker I like to do new challenges and put myself out there and um and that trip um that we did to New Zealand I just didn't feel like I'd hit that level yeah I needed a yeah. bit of endorphins and um I'm like then <laughs> let's bungee let's jump and he's like yeah yeah I'll do it and and I was totally okay. I was joking to the people while I'm getting my legs done up, and and I was mm-hmm. totally okay until I got to that moment, and went, ah, oh, I remember this. I'm scared of heights. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
0: uh, uh, you you think you probably could have remembered that a little bit before getting to the edge of the uh, that, that drop, don't you?
1: Oh man! But you did. It. The so thing is, you did it. You
0: challenged out. yourself, and you did it. I did.
1: I did, but I couldn't have done it without um, the coaching and the the reinforcement and reassurance that I was getting from the guys that were there doing their job. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't. They it's not. They don't care if you jump off or not. They're just paid to stand there and make sure your legs are safe. Um, But the psychology behind. Being to being able to overcome a fear and do things that are a little bit hard and challenging, um, the lessons and the words that they were saying were really ringing true to my brain and my psyche, and enabling me to to make the decision to mm-hmm. jump.
0: Yep, that's right. But then when you when you think about that, opening your own business, mm. whatever it is, it can it can be a pop up store, it can be coaching, consulting business like mine, or it can be you know something like yours and boutique realty. Yep. Yeah. That requires some courage as well.
1: Every day. And
0: that requires Every that day. requires self-belief. Mm. 12 years ago you started boutique real estate. Realty. is it realty or real estate? I keep real. Yeah. And everyone you puts an name in there and I don't
1: get the emails. So yeah, really think through what you're going to call your business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You started from a zero base. Yeah. Now again, <laughs> no purchase of a rent roll for you know no. for the first few years.
1: And Again. I had worked for console for eight years at this point, mm-hmm. so I hadn't been a property manager yep. for quite so, some time.
0: Yeah. I actually Again. had
1: not Test spent very yourself. long being a property manager. So,
0: mm.
1: yeah, it was mm. it was a pretty big thing, but it was a niggly in the back of my mind that was always there. I always wanted to have my own agency mm. and I suppose I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, oh, it would have been good if I did this.
0: Yeah, that's right. None of us do. You, you don't. No, you don't go you out with regrets. Yeah. No, mm-hmm.
1: you want to make sure that all got ticked.
0: Yep, that's right. And for me, you've got. You're, we're now at two hundred and fifty managements. Um, yeah. You've got yourself and, and two and a half staff. Are you saying before you, you've got a slightly hybrid um, business mm. model where you do, do. You've got two and a half permanent staff full time, and you do a fair bit of outsourcing.
1: We do. Yeah. Tell us
0: about that. What's what, what's involved with the outsourcing? What, what roles do you outsource?
1: So we've worked out that the disruption of going out of the office and the amount of time it takes to drive to appointment and, and flip from one job to another, as long as the report is done for a routine inspection, an entry or an exit, as long as the report is done well, As a property manager, you can sit on the computer and you can review the report, you can review the words and the most powerful part that we play as property managers is using our mouth and using our Mm -hmm. ability to document and control the information that goes through the parties. Mm -hmm. So we have almost become desk-based property managers and so by being on the desk... Our um, response times are quicker, but they're quality responses as well. We have the time to plan out what we need and get those quicker turnaround times. Because the longer things fester, that creates its own problems. We know that if a tenant doesn't get their bond back within about seven days, they'll mm. they'll have an issue. And, and it yep. could be there's so many, I won't even go into the detail. But we know that the moment that that key gets given back to us, which might be that they left it at the property on the Saturday and we're not actually physically in the office until the Monday. They want their bond on the Saturday. They're not waiting to the Monday. Mm-hmm. And then if you say, Well, I'm not doing your inspection until Tuesday, you're gonna to have to wait a little bit longer. And then there might be things that you've got to go back. You're adding this time pressure onto everything that you do. So by outsourcing the actual inspection role, booking it into an outsource company's inspection calendar, um, mm-hmm. it just gets done. Just gets yep. done. We know that the report's going to be back by you. Give them a deadline, what time it needs to be back, and then straight on the phone. And the inspectors are that good. They'll call us from the property and say, hey, you're going to need cleaners back. So then you're already giving a heads up. And we're not spending an hour each either side getting it ready, doing the report before we send it. The report is there. Now, the outsource mm. company that we use, they're Australian company, but they also use VAs to help them to fill in the report detail, which makes them quicker at their job. Um, and yep. it's just... Best use of time. Mm -hmm. We've also just recently outsourced our trust accounting as well. Not because we don't have the skill to do it, same goes with our inspections. We have the skill to do it, but every time you do a receipt, You're like, oh shit, I didn't do this. Oh shit, I didn't do that. Oh, I've got to to follow that up. So the receding goes from taking like 10 minutes to taking an hour because you get all the way through it and you're like, oh shit, this hasn't been done. That hasn't been done. And you get these distractions Mm -hmm. inside of your brain. Um, Same with the bill payments. Um, Oh, why have they charged this amount? And then you go digging. So it takes 10 minutes to do something that's a one minute job. So best value of time is to get that stuff processed and then when you're in the headspace of processing the bills you're then sitting at the desk and you're doing the same task over and over repetitive behavior on that task for a block of time um yep. and we've just managed to reduce all of our um our task response times to you know the phone's not ringing mm.
0: no because the phone the phone will ring once with the with the with the, the query, whether it's a client query, whether it's whether it's a an advertising query or whatever, and then if they don't get a response straight away, they'll ring back and ring back and ring back. Yeah. But if you're on that on the first call, well, you probably save yourself another two or three calls further down the line. So from an yeah. efficiency gain point of view, mm-hmm. doing the way you're doing it makes a lot of sense.
1: And I was really scared sense. to do that mm-hmm. because I've promised my clients that I'm going to be the one doing their inspections. Yep. So. That fear of not doing what my clients want was overcoming my decision-making ability because I thought mm-hmm. there was only one way of running Boutique Realty. But I've tried over and over the years and there's not one way that's actually worked well until now.
0: Yep. And how do you communicate to your clients and how have they accepted that it's not you doing the inspection, that it's actually a third party?
1: Do you know what? Because... No question it. Oh, Really? I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't had to disclose because mm-hmm. as long as the inspectors take enough photos of the property, I can inspect the property through their eyes, and they're very detailed. That's what we're asking for is a detailed inspection report. I tell you what, when we were doing the inspections, they weren't that detailed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, even close. No, But these, yeah, but these them guys are, days later. Yep. 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 And these guys are pr- professionals are doing it and they've just nailed down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what I did is my my point five person, um, I've actually bought on somebody new. And I learned this from uh when I was in Melbourne earlier this year for one of Haley Con- Mitchell's conferences. Um, mm. and Reece Danbury from uh just property management. Just, Nichols, in Perth. just
0: property management in Perth. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So he was talking on stage and I was listening to him. and I'm like, hey this is what I've just started trialing. And he's been running his business this way for a long time. And, you know, he's got a huge rent roll. And I'm like, oh, so I might be onto something. And he said in his uh, his speech, he said, um, mums are the best workers. They just can multitask, they get, it, get in, get it done, and they're out. I was still using the outsource company to do all of my routines. And I thought, had somebody knock on my door and I'd interviewed her last year and she said, um, Just wondering, have you got another job? Like, <laughs> And I went, Oh, actually, I wouldn't mind trialing something. So we've actually trialed bringing somebody in on a task based, um, just mm. doing routine inspections now.
0: Yep.
1: Um, and not right. overwhelming with too much um, to do. So mm-hmm. make her an expert in the routine inspection process. Yep.
0: Great. Yep. Once again, time consuming task can be outsourced so long as you've got control of the process
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah very true now we're running long on time which i actually don't mind but i do try to keep these down a little bit a couple of last little things that i'd like to close out on we were talking before about your ptsd from the road crashes and what have you and 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 i don't look i mean i've been involved in a few and i've seen a couple of pretty ugly things in 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 other ways in my life how did you deal with with the with that trauma, how did you deal with the challenges that that presented to you?
1: Uh, not well at the start. Um, mm-hmm. Professional help was that where, what got me across the line. I did um, start the process of taking medication, but for me, my brain is works at a hundred mile an hour. So if you quieten that down, I don't exist anymore. So that wasn't <laughs> wasn't good for me. Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But visual and feeling is really big to me. So if my, I if I'm in tune with my body and my mind, I can I can really control how I get through each day. Um, positive mindset is really important. Um, yep. And I if I'm dipping at all in that moment, uh, having coaching, I have regular fortnightly coaching uh, with Tanja Lee, and she really mm-hmm. helps me to understand what my purpose is. Where mm-hmm. where am I headed? Who am I headed there for and, and, you know, why am I doing it? And having a dream and a vision that's purpose-led is really important. Um, I think if you just keep doing the same thing over and over um, without making any changes and expecting a different result. What do they say? It's the definition Einstein's, of
0: insanity. Yeah, Einstein's definition yeah. of insanity. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: so that rings true to me all the time. And, <clears> and, <throat> and if something's not working, I won't stay in that space. I'm prepared mm. to, to chop and change, maybe to the demise of people around me sometimes. Um, yep. but, yeah,
0: if, but sometimes you're you're on, you need to be that. You need to. Yeah. So how do you keep the positive mindset on a daily basis? What, what, what practices do you have that, that that create that environment for you?
1: Well, doing um, the 30-Day Transform Challenge from four, well, three years ago, was it? Four years Mm -hmm. ago. I'm losing track now. I think it was four years ago nearly. That started some really key crucial behaviours. And there's a book called Atomic Habits, James,
0: finished it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So habit
1: stacking is really important. So when I um, did transform the first time, I set myself um, first. I was going to set myself an exercise challenge, but I'm not an exerciser. So I went, okay, I'm just going to get my body, my blood pumping. That was my Mm. um, my 30 days. For 30 days, I'm going to do something that gets my blood pumping, and I'm going to do that every day for 30 days. So we know it takes 21 days to form a habit. Each time I've done Transform, I've tacked on new habits of each time, mm. and they stick. So if you can do something for 30 days, then it is more than likely that you will continue to do it. In that book, Atomic Habits, they talk about habit stacking. So if mm. you link a habit to a, an already existing habit, then it is more than likely just going to become an auto response. So example for you, I never used to make my bed. Uh, Rule in our household: last one out makes the bed. I'm always the last one out because I like to sleep in, so the bed would never get made. All one of the transforms that was my habit. I started making the bed every day for 30 days, and what I did is a habit stacked that onto when I went to have my shower. If I looked at the bed, I made the bed. So Mm -hmm. the shower and the bed action. I now can't get into the shower until the bed is made.
0: That's interesting because I do it the other way around. I get out of bed, go for a shower, come back, and then make the bed
1: make the bed yeah
0: exactly but that's just it it is but the other thing with that is also and this is the thing that i learned with and particularly something like making the bed which may sound may sound to people like it's a really basic thing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: if you've achieved nothing else in your day and you get back to the bedroom at the end of the day and and you think i've done nothing today you can at least look at the bed and say actually i have i've done one thing i made the bed
1: 100 percent
0: And there's little things
1: that can make a difference in your day. So I, as a worker, I'm quite, I'd have my routines and I'm, not not super routine, as in I have to do things in a certain way, but I always get my job done during the day. But it's my home habits that make the mindset different for the day at work. Mm. So, getting the kids ready in the morning, <laughs> we call it Mount Foldmore, this big, big file, folding <laughs> pile. Um, no, no one can find yep. stock, and everybody's got to dive into Mount Foldmore. It's a pretty shit start to the day. So, a you never know what
0: might be in there. It could be an exciting start to the day. <laughs>
1: But you can never find it anyway, so it doesn't no. matter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Probably, probably so rolled up in a, is, in, a, in a fitted sheet somewhere.
1: Yeah, just try and make sure the kid's socks are there, so you're not having mm. a fight to find socks in the morning before you get out of the house. Like little habits mm. is probably what helps my mindset the most.
0: Yep, yep, and you're right. It's those tiny increments that lead to improvement. I mean, you know, we, we when we try to change. Oh, by the way, congratulations on this year winning Transform. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it
1: was a bit of a shock. I I yes. was the first transform. I didn't try and win. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There's a lesson. Yeah.
0: I wasn't going to let you get away with that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's those tiny little habits. Just one yeah. percent. I mean, I remember years ago, Kevin Shudi, who's and I'm an essence of the football fan. Uh, Kevin Shooty used to, he was he would talk about the one Just those yep. tiny little fragments of change in our day give us great improvement if we improve one percent a day within a month we've improved 30 percent within a year we've improved 360 percent arguably now obviously you you do plateau at times but you still make those incremental changes a little bit here a little bit there it it just helps you keep going and you're right it, it just when you start those habits and you start just to stack one on top of another and one becomes the trigger or the catalyst for the next one, you develop a pattern. Patterns become routines. Pat- routines are second nature. You don't even need to yeah. think about them anymore. Nope. It's like you said, out of bed, make the bed. Make the bed, have a shower. That's that's a routine. Yeah. So you, you're in automation mode already. Bo, listen... We've run over time by you know, quite a way, but it's me. Uh, uh, and, and I'm starting to do this more and more because the conversations are just so good. I really do thank you for coming on the show. I'm deeply, deeply appreciative of your time. We've probably only touched on half the stuff that we actually <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> Sorry,
1: but, I but too
0: much. No, 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 no. Look, I, I love this because these conversations go almost anywhere. So that's, and that's the beauty of it. There's, there's a, just a loose framework, and the rest of it just, flows. Bo Miller from Boatseek Realty in Greater Springfield and Brisbane. Thank you again.
1: Thank you.
0: All the very, very best with the new Calibra, Mm, (laughs) which which will be on the road when? When are you going to have that up and ready?
1: Oh, I'm not going to commit to this year. Let's go 2024, right?
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. We'll go 2024 and we'll see the new white Calibra on the road up around Queensland uh, between now and then. I wish you well. I will probably see you at another conference in the very, very near future.
1: Yes, very soon.
0: You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversations series. This series is proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and providing a total property care solution. Inspection Express, the market leader in property inspection, reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties and Agent Dynamics, the Australian market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow and retain your property teams since 2014. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.